Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 49. We are covering the 2018 WGC HSBC Champions and the Sanderson Farms Championship on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good evening. Evening, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. Good. Not too bad at all. We're also going to be talking later in the show to Barry O'Hanrahan, so don't worry. Barry is back from Las Vegas. He will be joining us uh, later on in the podcast. Golf, golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Our Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Oh, the list goes on and on. We're now on Podcast Republic, Sprecher, Blueberry. And this is becoming quite popular as well. All of the podcasts are also on our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. So if you're like me, a bit of a YouTube addict, you can listen to the podcast on there. So I know we've got a packed show. and We're going to crack on. Of course, any reviews on iTunes that you can give us would be fabulous. Um, got some new data actually. Th- uh, we got twenty-one reviews now globally, 30, 31 ratings, and our average score is now four and a half points. And I've got one just to read out quickly from last week. Five stars, great podcast, very u- useful information, and thorough previews of tournaments. Excellent job of detailing score-specific variables to take into account and explaining which golfers are suited to them each week. Two suggestions would be to spend just a little less time recapping the week before. Gary Woodland, second. <laughs> and your Ashley Chester's uh, fourth, was he? I, 25 The amount of time we spend recapping depends on how the week went, didn't it? Oh, if it's a crap week, <laughs> we were over it in 30 seconds. <laughs> And also, point two, adding a one-and-done segment. That's quite interesting, actually, because I think with Barry, you and me, we could have a bit of fun next year in a one-and-done yeah, type thing. We could have a, we could have a final one-and-done at, uh, at the end of each show for each of the tournaments. Yeah, and start, from, say, start from, say, Kapalua and run it yeah, through. January onwards. I do like, like the a, sound of that. Sounds like a good little feature, doesn't it? I do like the sound of that. Right, so let's crack on, Paul. Um mm. Clearly, HSBC Champions takes preference this week. Um, do you want to talk us through the uh, World Golf Championship that's taking place in Shanghai this week? Yeah, so um, it's the final WGC of the season. So we've had the other three. This is the fourth one. Actually, to be fair, this tends to be the poor relation of the uh, WGCs. Um, so with the other with the other ones, generally, you'll get the top fifty in the world. Um, and if there's anyone missing, it's because they've got some other pretty important prior arrangement. They've got, you know, they're, they're either on holiday, one of the kids is graduating, or uh, you know, some other reason they can't do it. But, uh, but with this, you tend to find um, quite a few people opt out of it. So we've got no JT, we've got no Bryson, we've got no Fowler, we've got no Spieth, we've got no Woods, we've got no Watson, and that's just from the top fifteen in the world ranking. And you go a bit further down into the top fifty, there's another ten or so who aren't here. Um, so it's always a bit of a shame, but it always tends to then open it up to a wider spectrum of predominantly European tour players and some of the uh, some of the other players who f- find their way into the field um, further down the list. 
um, to come and play and ply their trade at this kind of upper level. So it's always an interesting one, always a, a, a tough one to try and decipher, I find. Um, and in some events, you kind of get a feel for it um, from the start. And some of them, uh, and this one for me, is one that I always kind of scratch my head around a little bit, I must say. You've, you landed the winner one year with Poulter, I remember that. But that was at a different golf course, wasn't it? Poulter, yeah, that was when he played, uh, that was at Mission Hills in 2012. Yeah. The, rest, the rest of them have all been here at Shoshan, so yeah. Yeah. Had it been, if they were to play at Mission Hills, I'd probably have a firmer grip on it. But um, but no, it's an interesting one. One I enjoy is just uh, I always try and find, or I always find it a little bit uh, bit tricky. I must say. Anyway, in the field this week we've got the likes of uh, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy. All of those guys are ten to one or shorter at the top of the market. You've got the likes of Day Hideki. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Tony Finnell at 20 to 1 or shorter, and then even just above those, the likes of Francesca Molinari and John Rahm, Paul Casey, 25 to 1. So there's some decent kind of household names uh, at the top of the um, the betting this week. Um, and when you've got the likes of what 10 or 12 players that I've just read out there, all 25 to 1 or shorter, it kind of, you know, it, it needs some picking through, I think, to try and work out who of those players is going to going to get the job done. Because we saw last week, didn't we, with the likes of uh, Kepka winning over at uh, Jeju Island and uh, Sergio getting the job done this morning at Valderrama, that if these short-priced players do win, then mm. you're, you're 20, 16 to 1, whatever price players that you may have backed, you know, you, you at best you're getting an each-way return from them. If, yep. you can man- if you can manage to pluck those guys out. I mean, yep. Shane Lowry finished second last week. Or, or the 12 to 1. Yeah, well, he was short, as short as 8 to 1 in places. I mean, and the Twitter arty was saying what a disgraceful price it was, which it was, yeah, but he still finished second. Yeah, it was a shocker, absolutely. but yeah. But a, yeah. Then, you, know, you, you look back in hindsight and the bookies had priced him to finish second, and that's what he did. He finished second. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one to try and uh, try and work through. I and mean, if you look back at prices of winners in this event, um, going back to 2010, you got the likes of Francesco Molinari at 55s in 2010. Kaima won at 25s a year later. Poulter was 20 to one, but as you say, it was a Mission Hill, so it's slightly uh, slightly off the radar in terms of uh, in terms of this analysis. DJ 40 to one in 2013. Can you believe Dustin Johnson 40 to one? Uh, 2014, Jeez. Bubba Watson. 2015, the only real outlier. 2015 was with Russell Knox, 150 to one. Then you got Hideki in 2016 at 22 to one, and Justin Rose last year at 20 to one. So you got a lot of players, and five of those, five of those eight players were in that kind of 20 to 28 to one bracket. Kind of sweet spot there it appears in terms of yeah. price for this uh, for this event. So none of the really short guys have got over the line here none of the eight or ten to one brackets only Russell Knox of the longer prices have actually gone on one there have been some some players who've squeaked into the uh, each way places at that kind of price but uh, but none of them other than Knox has got over the line so um, yeah it's, that's one of the factors I've looked at to try and see you know if is, is there a reason why that's the case why these players at that kind of price level have got over the line you know do, do other elite players starting to fade a little bit this late in the season you know mm. fatigue's got to start to kick in on there but I suppose isn't it um, anyway interesting isn't it I know, yeah, that, I know when Bubba won it he came straight from the winning Ryder Cup team didn't he so literally I think they they won in America and then it was his next appearance he won this 
Yeah, it's, again, it, you know, in trying to decipher this, I've had a look at all of the different angles, and you know, one of them to try and see if players are coming in with hot form that's very recent form, or hot form that's a little bit further back in the past because they haven't played since the end of the the previous wraparound season. And again, there's a there's a real mix. You know, some players have gone and played two events and then come straight here the week after and played well. Um, last year, the top four, none of them have played since East Lakes, so all of them had had three, four, whatever number of weeks off. So trying to draw some comparisons between some of these uh, some of these winners and some of the players who played well. I mean, we talk, you talked about Bubba there. The year that he won, um, he beat Tim Clark in the playoff. That's so, right. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. You remember absolutely. That? He, he, he yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, old, that old, is old... that is yin and yang. <laughs> exactly. And then you get your the head life. around that, and you're yeah. a better man than I am. And yeah, you know, you, you compare that to you know Russell Knox, who's not a long hitter, but then you've got the likes of Rose and Hideki, who are obviously fantastic ball strikers. Dustin Johnson, who's you know an immensely long hitter. There's a real eclectic mix of types and styles of player here. And the only thing that you can really draw out of it is that the players, when they've done well here, have hit a lot of greens of regulation and made a lot of putts. Now, you could probably say that about any track, or pretty much most tracks. You know, if you go out and hit, hit your greens, make your putts when you hit the greens, you're going to score, you're going to make lots of birdies. And, and you know, it's, it's fairly simplistic, but that's what the stats boil down to here. Other than that, I'm not sure there is a specific style or type of player that actually fits the bill. The track's pretty standard, 7,260 yards, par 72, fairly wide, but tree-lined in places. There's water on over half of the holes. Um, mm. Decent quality bent grass greens. You know, there's nothing there that really um, tests a player in terms of you know a, a very kind of outlying attribute that a certain type of player uh, must have to be able to deal with uh, with with the type of course. Um, and you know, I think that's lent itself to having different styles of player that have, have come through and, and uh, competed here in the uh, in the recent past. When when I watch it, the sight lines always they always especially with all that water in play. I mean, mm. it's a completely different set of grasses. I understand that, but it always feels to me as if it's got quite quite close links to Florida golf courses with that water in play. You know, I'm talking about Bay Hill, your PGA Nationals, your your um, TPC sawgrasses. You know, when yeah. you make you make a mistake, you're punished because you're wet effectively. Yeah, yeah, you could do. I mean, you can. You know, I'd, I'd try to draw some parallels to results from other other events, and you know, the closest I could get was probably Akron. But you know, you're talking about similar type of player with a similar field, and I think inevitably you're going to be thrown up with a similar kind of set of names at the, at the top of the leaderboard. So, you know, again, that could be a complete red herring, and I've really I've not gone too far down that route either. So, um. Other parallels, every winner here had finished in the top 12 in one of his previous five starts. But again, these are elite players. You'd expect them to be producing some decent results. Seven of the eight are the top 10 in the last two starts. So some, of, you know, predominantly they've been playing some pretty strong golf over the last few events. But as I said a few seconds ago, it's not necessarily the week before or two weeks before. Sometimes it may have been a month or six weeks before that you're talking about these um, snippets of form that have been shown so yeah again I think decent form's a plus but not a massive prerequisite um, Knox and DJ both won this on a course debut so you don't necessarily have to have 
bags of experience. Hideki won with um, incoming course form of withdrawn 41st withdrawn. So, you know, again, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people looking at his price 22 to 1 a couple of years ago. Um, regardless of how well he was playing, because he was playing well. That was his tear-up, wasn't he? He'd won in Japan, gone to the CIMB, finished second in that, then he won this. Then he won again in Japan, and then he just went on that massive tear. Yeah, didn't he win like five? But yeah, I remember you didn't, you didn't put him up on the basis that he's... Um, and that was the trend at that point. Yeah. That you actually wanted someone with some course for. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, th- I think over over the last few years, it's, it's broken to a degree. I mean, Rose had a couple of top tens, but nothing spectacular here when he won last year. But... Uh, yeah, I think the summary of that is, you know, if there's a bit of course form there that you can correlate in nice, um, but again, not to get overly hung up on it, I don't think. Mm. Um, the other thing to note this week, and it's similar to last year, the conditions are actually going to be fairly mixed during the course of the week. So um, Rose won last year with a total of 14 under, which is actually far higher than um, some of the other years. Some other years they're getting deeper than 20, you know, 22, 23 under. So 14 under was was a higher score in total than, than most recent years. Um, and that was driven mainly from the wind conditions, which picked up day by day over the course of the four days. So it, it, was, it was a fairly wet, soft course last year. Right. Um, and with the Bermuda overseed and they're doing the rough here, the rough is particularly nasty if it's wet. So um, when, when the wet's, rough's wet and you know people are veering into it because it's the, the wind's up, then um, it can become a tougher course. And I think that was reflected in the fact that 14 under was the winning score and not kind of six, seven, eight shots deeper than that. Um, this year it's going to be wet for the first couple of days. It was raining this morning. I saw some pictures out there. Um, so it's likely to be soft to begin with. Um, Friday's likely to be windy and then over the weekend it looks like the weather's going to completely clear up it'd be nice and calm and sunny and warm you know warming up um, and this course that we know can yield a lot of birdies when it's like that is likely to yield a lot of birdies so I think you're going to find a kind of a mixed set of days as well for this year with uh, you know maybe a, maybe a, a reasonable day on Thursday maybe a trickier day on Friday and then you know, go for your guns and uh, and make a score over over Saturday and Sunday. So, um, again, can you read into any of that to try and pick the right kind of player? I'm not entirely sure you can. So, um, I've kind of gone around the houses with this. I must say, um, you know, because you could look at the top players and you know, DJ had a six shot six shot lead here last year at one point. DJ and blew all of that before uh, Rose came through. Um, you know, he's got a bit of mental baggage there. Uh, which you'll see clearly he'll want his, uh, his world number one spot back from, from Brooks won't he so I'm sure there's a the motivation there for him to uh, uh, to play well clearly a course winner so there's there's some positives there but again it's a skinny old price with uh, DJ coming in as the favourite around 8-1 to one. Uh, Rose has never defended Brooks is now the new number one would that have taken any of his concentration away from this week he's coming off the back of a win over at Jeju Island isn't he so yeah, you know, clearly he's playing well, but um, does that translate into back-to-back wins? He hasn't produced back-to-back wins in his career so far. Um, Rory seems to be improving in terms of result results, but if you look at his driving, his driving's been poor for a while now. And you know, I think if you continually drive it poorly around here into the rough, then I think you will get punished, or you won't be able to produce the kind of winning score that you need to to to, to get the uh, get the job done here. So. I think it asks more questions than it answers when you kind of dig into this. Um, 
so anyway, I've kind of come to a, come to a uh, conclusion for it and I've published my four selections a little bit earlier on today. Um, and I've led with John Rahm. Now, he's 25 to 1. He fits price-wise. Um, and he's taken some time off after the Ryder Cup. So, um, whereas some of these other guys have gone straight back out, and the likes of Tommy Fleetwood, straight back out to the Dunhill Links, straight to the British Masters. Um, Fran Molinari went to the British Masters and clearly he wasn't quite ready. You know, these guys have come back and they've, they've, they've said quite quite openly, you know, it's, it's taken a lot out of them. Whereas Rahm's taken some time um, and uh, it's potentially going to pay some dividends for him, I think. You go back a year ago and uh, he came here, he finished 36th, nothing to uh, write home about, but he'd come straight from Valderrama, which is a completely different test. Um, and, uh, you know, clearly trying to adapt straight away to the conditions. On his debut, as it was, um, it didn't quite happen for him this time last year. After that, he went straight to uh, Dubai on his next start and won the uh, the, uh, the Earth course. So, so clearly, you know, he likes this back end of the season type time in the uh, in the schedule. Um, and I think his 36th year last year probably doesn't really tell the full story. Um I think his aggressive style will suit. I think his um, liking of the bent grass greens will suit. I think his performance at Eastlake, where he finished 11th, is noteworthy because I don't think Eastlake's the kind of track that, you know, it's kind of a patient track that I don't think appeals to his strengths. Um, and he was fifth for greens and regulation, there, third for putting average. Those are the two kind of stats I, I want to see in someone's recent performances for this uh, this event. It was fourth for putting average at the BMW, the, the event before as well. So I, th- I think there's enough kind of percolating around with John Rahm to give him a chance here. Um, and also the fact that he beats Tiger in the singles um, on the Sunday of the Ryder Cup. And I don't know if you remember seeing the end of that, but he was really emotional with it. You know, it's clearly meant an awful lot to him to, to play Tiger first and foremost and then to beat him. You know, I think in his, his mind that will that will give him a massive confidence going forward. Um, mm. And uh, we'll see how that translates. But um, I must say, at the top of the market, it was the only one that really, at the price on offer, kind of gave me some some confidence that I wanted to uh, to take an each-way chance on them. And I think you've got, you know, with a player like that, I think you've got to go each way because, you know, one of these top guys could have that week that, that means that everyone else, you know, is fighting for second place. I think you've, you've you've got to be very sure about who you're selecting up in that price point, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you if it's a kind of grey bit of a fudge just to get a place, you might get seriously burnt. Mm. So yeah. if if there's if there's one, of the, I think that's almost where we're at. That's where we're at, kind of with all of the stuff at this time of year, isn't it? It's like Kepka last week, isn't it? If you well, wanted to yeah. take ten to one win only, get on board. And if you want to double him up with Sergio, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, you you and I went a different route, covered our weeks. You made some a decent profit out of Chester's with your yeah. effectively a twenty five to one return. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Twenty. It's different ways yeah. of cutting it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think yeah, if if that's the way you choose to play these um, events and pick some longer prices, my other three picks are longer prices, and um, then. If a short price winner comes through and wins, then I think you take it on the chin. You accept that that's that's happened, and these top quality players are going to win these events, and so be it. You know, if you can make your money out of uh, picking up the, uh, the some decent each way prices further down, then so be it. I think. So the other three I've gone for: um, Matt Fitzpatrick, who.
who have I got? 70 to 1 early today. He's been backed in a little bit since. Um, I think his ball striking is getting back to his very best now. He won at Crown of Sierre. Um, he led the British Masters driving accuracy stat um, for the week. And if you look at his um, performances here over the years, he finished 7th, 9th, 16th from his third three starts. So clearly he likes, gets on with the track. Again, the polar opposite to someone like Rahm. You know, he's going to, if you put them in a in a two ball, then clearly Rahm's going to be you know, however many yards ahead of him in terms of uh, off the tee on every shot. But... You know, again, we've seen with the likes of Knox, we've seen the likes of Tim Clark. You don't have to be the longest hitter here to actually perform. I think you just need to, you need to play your game to the best of its capability. And when Matt Fitz is playing and striking the ball well, it only takes a decent, a half decent week with a putter to put him in contention. And we know he can compete at the, a decent level. He's got major top tens. He's won the Dubai World Championship. Um, five decent wins under his belt now on the European Tour. Um, and uh, I think he will find this. You know, this is again the kind of track that he has performed on before, and uh, I think he will find that he can compete and contend in this kind of company. So um, I thought seventy to one was well worth taking on. Um, and then a couple of slightly longer shots: Lucas Berrigard, eighty to one, who sits currently at fifty third in the the OWGR. So. You know, he's got some real motivation to continue this fantastic spell of form he's had. If you look at his last six starts, he's finished uh, 9th, 6th, 2nd, 20th, 1, the Dunhill Links, and then 9th at uh, Walton Heath on his last start. Um, and when he's playing well, and he, you know, you look at his stats over the last few weeks, he hits an awful lot of greens. And we know that about him. That's, that's what his game's predicated on. Um, but coupled with that, he's also been putting very, very well. Um, he led the field for putting at the uh, the Daniel Links. He was in the top ten for putting at the um, uh, at the British Masters. So clearly, there's some decent uh, performances going on with his putter. And when you couple it with a player who hits so many uh, greens in regulation, that's a potent combination. I think you could kind of underestimate a player like Lucas. Um, you look at him in a you know in, in the world. Stage and he's this is his first WGC event, so you can't compare him on that. He's not particularly performed well on the uh, the, the majors to date, but I think he's playing a different brand and a different level of golf right now. I think uh, I think he's well worth having a chance on. And again, if you look at his Chinese form, five top six finishes um, in China um, and Hong Kong combined over the years, so clearly he feels quite comfortable in this neck of the woods. Um, so he was 80-1, to Lucas. My final selection, the, the final player that I've backed today is Matt Wallace. Now, I've been backing Matt Wallace on and off for the last few months, so it probably won't come as a massive surprise. I thought 125-1 to was worth taking on. Um, 62nd in the OWGR, and again, it's his WGC debut, so you've got nothing much to, to go on in terms of what he's, you know, how he's performed at this kind of level. Um, great test for him. You know, he's... he's taken some uh, you know, there have been questions about whether he can perform at a higher level clearly he's won 10 times in what 74 events I think it is um, and they've all been at a relatively low level can he perform at this kind of high level we, sh we shall see um, you know, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see how he gets on this week uh, he was top 20 at the US PGA which was his first um, decent performance at a major um, you know, and, th and three wins this year so far could easily have been four. The fourth 
one would have been in China itself at the China Open. If Kolo had gone to the final day, um, Alexander Bjork came through and won that one, but um, he wasn't a million miles away. In fact, save for the par five, I think it was the fourth hole, um, where he shot four over during the course of the week. I'd say for that hole, he would have won that, and you know you'd be looking at a, a player who's already won in China for the year four times for the year. Um, you know, impressive player. I think Matt's got a lot to fight about this week as well. Um, you may have seen on Twitter that he lost his uh, his good friend Ricky uh, Ricky Neil Jones um, over the last few days, and he lost his grandmother as well. Unfortunately, he's not having the best of time of it right now, Matt. And I suspect that will galvanise him. I think he's the kind of character who will take that kind of thing and um, he'll build on it in terms of his game. I think it will it will help his. Um, focus for this week so I wouldn't be remotely surprised to see him go well this week um, and I think he's also worth having a look in the first round leader market I know the prices are starting to come up now because um, he's been first round leader for his past, past two events so I think he'll be a tasty old price for first round leader this week so that's where I am with mine the preview went out a little bit earlier um, and I'm sticking with the four this week I think it's it's you, you look at someone like Knox, um, who who won from out a kilter here. I think for a play, for players that are on the European tour or from a European tour background, it's almost well, it's not a bit. It, it's they've almost got an advantage out in China because you know the European tour has visited China and the Far East for a long, long time, and in a way they've it's it's one of those rare events when they've got a slight advantage over the Americans in terms of just the, the feel of the place and just the experience that they've got. I think so, yeah. And I think the conditions this week, I mean, you look at the look at the, the temperatures, they're going to be kind of around about 70 degrees. It's going to be rainy for the first day or first couple of days. It's going to be a bit of wind on the um, on the Friday. Then it's going to clear up. I think it's, it's much more akin to a kind of a northern European set of mixed mm. conditions. And players who are used to adapting to those changes are going to be more readily um, able to adapt to it, I think. And, and it's going to feel far more comfortable. Um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> Looking through my selections, you know, the guys, uh, they're, they're all, all Europeans. So, um, you know, I've deliberately gone out and, and avoided the, uh, the Americans in the market because clearly there's some, some very strong Americans and, you know, other nationalities that are out there. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of where it led me to. I do like this sweet spot you're talking around. And, you know, that's, that's just borne out from the numbers, isn't it, in terms mm. of price point. And you get something, oh, it's a load of old rubbish. But, you know, Rose at 20s, Matsurama 22s, uh, Bubba Watson 28s, DJ 40s, Poulter 20s, Kaima 25s. The the one name that jumps out to me, who I think is um, heading for a big victory, is Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that slightly puts me off with Fleetwood is I think he could do with a proper prolonged rest. And I know he had a week off last week, but I think he could uh, could do with something a little bit longer than that. But yes, mm. his ball striking in the last couple of starts has been cracking, hasn't it? Well, this is one thing I've noticed with Fleetwood in the past. Now he's on the PGA Tour. I, I, I dig into where he's at and how he kind of wins. And it was interesting. When he won that Abu Dhabi event in 2017, his last event before that was the Hong Kong Open. Mm. In fact, you can take this go back. You can go back to say the Turkish Airlines Open of 2016. So he was fourth, third, first, and third for GIR before he won in Abu Dhabi. 
Yeah. Then he went back there in 2018, the year you were on him. Uh, you got the win. Uh, and Hong Kong Open, first for GIR. And you just look at him that last, you know, BMW Championship, second for GIR, eighth for putting, putts per GIR, which is great for Tommy. Um, then eighth at the Alfred Dunhill Links at St Andrews and fourth for putts per GIR, which for yeah. him is excellent. Putter fell apart at um, Walton Heath, 66th, but he was yeah. first for greens in regulation. It just seems to me at that price point and just where he is in his career, you know, Ryder Cup hero, he just hasn't quite got the wins on board that a player of his ilk and of his temperament and of his quality should have. So mm. something like this, I wouldn't call it low-hanging fruit, but if he really wants it and he and he's and he is actually energized, I think his game's in a, in is in a space where he can be very very competitive this week. Yeah, no, I can't disagree. I, he was one of the last that I scrubbed off the list because. I felt I couldn't put two players in at that kind of bracket because no. I don't think you can make the maths work um, in any no, no, kind no. of sensible form. But but yeah, if he comes out and the, the week off's treated him well and um, he's, he's ready and raring to go, then um, he could could have a cracking week. He's started well here a couple of times, two or three times. I think he's played Yeah, I times. saw that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not. I don't think he's broken the top 10 from, from memory, but I, he's... Um, you know, I think he started well a few times and kind of faded away. And I don't think there's any particular reason for that because I think the course should should play to his strengths. But again, what are the strengths required for this course? That's you know, the million well, it's dollar just, question. It's metro- metronomic greens and regulation, isn't it? If, the, if that's your game, and I think yeah. if you if that's your game and that's how you play, then you can attack this course using that game plan. Mm. And if you play, you know. To, to the best of your ability, then you're going to put yourself in contention. So if Tommy comes out, hits fairways, hits greens, and, and puts sub 1.7, I think he goes very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah can't, yeah. can't dispute it. Third, third for driving actually at Walton Heath, first for GIR. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you won't be surprised. First total driving, first ball striking. So his game's in the groove. It's just yeah. It's just the right time, right place. That's what we need. Mm. And I don't think he'll be a million miles away. I was thinking Frankie, but I'm not so sure. I, I, I get the feeling with Fran, Francesco, that those five points and that adulation, it, it might have just sent him slightly the other way now. As you were saying, it can work both ways, can't it? It can. You know, it's... How close is that to a major championship win? You know, he he just come off the back of a major major championship win, and then he mm. then he performs like that at the Ryder Cup. You know, it's it's huge. How do you get yourself up for oh, regular tournaments? You've won your first major, yeah. You've won your first major. You've got you've broken history at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Does the HSBC really get the old hairs on the back of the neck standing up when you tell? Well, I'm, I'm not, and I'm he's not already know. won it. He's already got that trophy. You know, it's, mm. it's it's not new ground to crack, is it? You know, but again, you know, if he comes out and plays his best golf, then he plays. You know, he, he goes close. But I think he needs some time to to adjust to his position that where he's found himself and to, you, to what, you, what he's achieved. You think about it. You think about it, though. I mean, you've got Fleetwood at twenties with a couple of firms. You've got. Um, You've got um, Paul Casey as low as twenties with some mm. firms. You've got John Rahm at twenty-five to one with the Unibet. You, you know who would you take out of those? Uh, out of those two, out of those three? Well, it's it wouldn't be Casey in my in my point. You, you're much better off with Rahm. You're much better off with Fleetwood, in my yeah. opinion. 
Yeah, it's a it's a an interesting one, an interesting one indeed. I believe. I'll tell you what, for, uh, I, tell I, you what I think it, it's time for Paul. Go. On. It's it's time to bring him in. It's <laughs> Barry, time to yeah. bring in Barry, isn't it? I, I think he's playing from Vegas. Just landed. Are you with us, Barry? <laughs> Hey guys, how's it going? Have you just got through VIP Sorry. exclusive uh, check-in? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little late. No, passport control, you know the usual. Uh, yeah, we're well, Barry. How, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, back uh, back since the middle of last week, so yeah, no no messing around with jet lag or anything. And uh, didn't get to see an awful lot of golf over there. Um, yeah, they tried to kind of dazzle you with lights rather than TV screens. Um, and golf's not really... When we were over there, sports-wise, there's huge like it's massive. Football, NFL is massive now that the season's kicked mm. off, and that's just dominating mm. all the screens as far as you can tell, as far as you can see. Um, so I did manage to plonk myself into a sports bar um, off the, on the strip on the Sunday, and probably the most enjoyable I've, time I've ever had with NFL. More so, I would say because there was about 12 or 15 screens around, so there was always something kind of happening yeah. and some action happening. So, uh, yeah, I can see uh, I can see why it's it's extremely popular. Uh, you know, tasty bar food, lots of beer, and um, plenty of action. So, uh, I'm, 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 I might be kind of going over to the dark side and getting converted into a bit of NFL. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, each for the rhyme. Sound, sounds idyllic, Barry, I must say. Um, I just caught the end of what you were saying about uh, metronomic players mm. required for the uh, the WGC. Gary, uh, Gary Woodland um, isn't playing, Barry. You, you can't listen, pick Woodland. I, 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 I was I was laughing. I, I kept that going though, like, didn't I? I kept I kept the fires did, burning while you were away, and he got me got me some each returns both weeks. Yeah. In fairness to him, so I skipped him the week before when he went off at about twenties. Mm. I was like, "What the hell is he doing at twenty to one there?" So I said, "I'm not having any of that." I, I took a week break from my um, your vigil. Oh, I don't know. Your it's, vigil. It's a, it's a full. It's a full on love affair with Gary at this stage now. Um, saw my forties last week and couldn't resist. Yeah. So I got on that and. I mean, what more can you ask from him? Shooting oh, a 63 on Sunday, gets into the tide, from, tied for the lead with Kepka, and Kepka just goes and, I mean, what, what can mm. you say about that for a back he nine? He showed why he's well number one, didn't he? Yeah. Outstanding. Phenomenal. He's yeah. to a player of So, what, what are your views, Barry, on, on this HSBC? I know you've got one up your sleeve, are you fancy? Yeah, I mean, from from the, the Gar- just one final word on the Gary Woodland thing, that's going to do him the world of good for his confidence. The week before, he didn't go so well when he was in with a shout. But like to go out there and shoot a 63 on Sunday, um, you can't ask much more than that, you know? So uh, hope, hopefully, the thing, you know, the all the things he's doing are coming together into a win. And hopefully, it'll be in a reasonably big event where his odds will be juicy enough to make it uh, you know, satisfying that we stuck with him all this time. This week, um, switching over, uh, yeah, metronomic golfer. Um, one just shot out at me at mid-odds, Adam Scott. Mm. Had a nice round yeah, there on cracker, Sunday, I think it was yeah, last another week. another one who flew through um, the end, didn't he? Finished like a train, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I'm... So I'm, uh, you know, if, if you want somebody who's going to hit you a ton of greens, it's it's Scotty. And uh, he shot he shot sixty three like Gary did on in on uh, Sunday over in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. So if he can just have one of those um, 
half, you know, pretty decent putting weeks for him, but a half decent putting week for your average uh, tour tour pro. Um, he could figure. So I, I took a tiny bit of a price chop on him to get seven places just in case he doesn't win. I mean, I don't expect it to happen. I'm sure he's going to be lifting the trophy come <laughs> Sunday, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did also like the shout of Bjerregaard uh, I saw on your um, on your post yeah. ball. It's a it's a fun one as well. Yeah, he's he's on a hot streak he's at the playing moment. Some cracking golf at the moment, and uh, yeah, as I said a second ago, hitting a lot of hitting a lot of greens and putting well, which is a, a great combination for a guy like like him. So, so yeah, I think he'll go really well this week. What's his world ranking? Fifty three. So yeah, cool need, needs must. Yeah. He'll he'll be looking forward to the Earth Course as well, won't he? I think. Well, he, he'll be he'll be playing all of these events, won't he? Leading up to the uh, end of the European Tour. Every one of these events, I think, plays you know plays to his strength. So, yeah. Um, you know, I I can't I don't I don't really see a situation where he doesn't play himself into the top fifty. I must say, he's going to have to mm. you know his form's going to have to fall off a cliff. I think for him to. Uh, They're big to points events as well, aren't they? So they you could are, even yeah. see him going somewhere well like the Sun City. Yeah, I think yeah. he play well Sun City. I think he play well Turkey. I think he play well at uh, the Earth Course. I think he play well this week. So, yeah, one to follow. Hmm, I think so. Yeah. Right, we've got ten minutes, so let's talk Sanderson Farms Championship. They finally got some uh, odds up this afternoon about four o'clock, which was nice to see. Um, it's one of those nondescript kind of alternate events that they play on the same weeks as a major or WGC. Um, Pretty nondescript par 72 Parkland Golf Course down in Jackson, Mississippi. And you think, you know, you're Mississippi, you think it's going to be roasting hot, you know, 90 degrees, feels like 33 degrees temperature. Well, last year was a bit chilly, and this year's going to be the same. I'm seeing temperatures between 18 and 20 degrees, and uh, it's blowing pretty hard both on the Thursday and on the Sunday. So almost kind of northern european type conditions to a certain extent yeah i think that might put a few off um it's just a different dynamic there but what tends to happen here you know you, you're looking at uh, for me it's going to be like a mid-teens winner this week with that little bit of wind around probably 15 16 17 under par something like that it's yeah. not a diffi- it's not a difficult golf course the one thing is that is noteworthy though is it has got a relatively difficult set of par fives um, so if you can find a player that literally can take par fives apart, that might just swing the swing it your way. But I know uh, we're going to go live with the preview tomorrow morning. But um, when I average out the the um, the skill sets here, this tells you all you need to know. So I've taken this across. Uh, the f- we've had four renewals here since 2014. So Nick Taylor, Peter Malnati, Cody Gribble, Ryan Armour. I mean, that tells you all you need to know, really, doesn't it, those four names. Mm. But um, if you just go across all the skill stats and average them out, so where those players finished in the field, against the field. uh, Driving distance, 39th, so you can't really overpower the course. Driving accuracy, 30th, which isn't too bad for a PGA Tour event. So you've got to be... The fairways here are quite tight. Greens in regulation, 10th. Proximity and scrambling, they're kind of mid of the road. Putting average, third. <laughs> so it's effectively a putting contest, as yeah. most, of, most of these things are. What makes the par fives difficult? Is it length, or is it, you've just got to hit the fairways to have a crack at it? 
I think a lot of it is the is the uh, the fairways here. They're only 28 yards wide, which kind of puts them on a par um, with the likes of let's have a quick look. You know, Silverado 23, and you you were getting a lot. That was another thing that was noteworthy about Silverado. If you're a real, you know, pretty fragrant, you know, you've got no no interest in keeping it on the fairway. You often get a lot of block shots, yeah, which isn't isn't so good. Um, it's, I think a lot of it here is distance. I mean, five seven one six twelve. Uh, there's an easy five fifty four the eleventh. And uh, you got five eighty four. So you know three of those par fives are approaching six hundred yards yeah. or above. So it's a bit long here to be. That needs to be in the fairway to stand even a remote chance, doesn't it? And if the conditions are soft and it's going to rain on Thursday, apparently, so I won't be surprised if this gets cooled off to a certain level. Um, whether they play in the rain, uh, I didn't see any electrical activity. But there's a there's a quote here from Peter Malnati back in 2015 when he won. Some of the longer hitters were probably able to get up there in two on the par fives, but I'd say the majority of the field probably couldn't, so the par fives became a bit of a wedge contest. Mm. So, yeah, good wedge, good putter. I think that's what we're kind of looking at here. Now, listen to these prices, chaps. This will this will this will wet your whistle. Since this tournament's moved to uh, Jackson, Taylor was four hundred to one, Malnati was two fifties, Gribble was one twenty fives, Armour was one twenty fives. Yeah, tasty. So that to me, you know, it doesn't shout some of the players that I'm seeing very, very sure at the top of the market. I know that's something you mentioned, Barry. You've got, you know, at the very top of the market, there's players there that don't win a great deal. And and I think this happens a lot with these alternate events. They turn up and there's actually more pressure on them. And you'll often find they, they throw in a 75 to start with and then they play well for the rest of the week and get, say, a second or fifth or sixth place finish. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably an internalized pressure as well, or you know, maybe a little bit of the media coming in and saying, "Oh, this is a great opportunity for you to grab a win." Yeah. Blah 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 blah, and it gets in their head. And yeah, like you said, they get off to a dreadful start. And um, yeah, so I've no interest in the top of the market whatsoever. No, <laughs> just read just reading down the cast list in terms of price. I mean, we've got Patrick Rogers, Sung Jim, uh, Lucas Glover's third favorite. Ryan Armour, defending champion, Aaron Badley, Harold Varner III, Dylan Fritelli, Kevin Streelman, Bill Haas, and then, you know, Chris Kirk and the likes. That, that to me, uh, it doesn't fill me with enthusiasm, it must be said. There is one player near the top that I am going with. Um, that is Cameron Davis, who you can pick up at 40-1 to 1 with Paddy Power. If you've got a Sky Better account, you can actually pick up 45s. I just, I just think Davis, um, Australian Open winner last year, which he won in very blustery, windy conditions, and he, he beat the likes of Jason Day, uh, who was leading that tournament after 54 holes. He beat Jordan Spieth. He beat Lucas Herbert, who was on a charge. Jonas Blixt. Some very good players that he beat in that event. Mm. Um, he then went the week... Uh, the. Uh, after that, he then went over to Singapore, and he finished sixth out of the Singapore Open on Bermuda Grass Greens. And then this year, he set his sight. Well, I want to be on the PGA Tour. I'm going to play the Web.com Tour. He's only 23 years of age. Gone out to the States. Listen to this: fourth at the Knoxville Open, 
uh, also uh, seventh or seventeenth at the North Mississippi Classic. He was actually third after thirty six holes. It was a shortened event, and then he won in Nashville. So by my reckoning, there's two tournaments there: uh, fourth in Tennessee, first in Tennessee, and also seventeenth in Mississippi. So he clearly likes this part of the country out there. Yeah, he he was third at the uh, Children's Hospitals uh, Nation uh, Championship, which the, is that tough course they play in Ohio. Which again, you've got the players like Showflay has done well there. Justin Thomas has won there. Um, you get the good players come to the fore in that in that Web.com playoff event, and also third at the Web.com to a championship on Bermuda Grass Greens. He was also seventeenth last time out of the Safeway Open on the PGA Tour. Shot a closing 68 in very windy conditions, gusting up to 30, 35 miles an hour at Silverado. He was in the top six in the field that day for uh, for that score of 68. So he can play, as I said, can play in the wind. So for me, I, I do like that price. I think there's a little bit of value in 41 on Cameron Davis. So I'm, I'm on to that. I'm with you on him. Oh, yeah. I like it. I mean, he's it's he's far more easy to fancy than any of the guys above him. Um, I agree. In terms of price, yeah, I agree. That's almost. I wouldn't right, say it's. A, I wouldn't say it's an ignorant price because it isn't an. You know, there's, it isn't a huge price, but I think there's that price is quite fair in this field. I really do. Yeah, the pressure pressures off him to a certain degree because you know he's he's not right at the very top there in terms of no. expectations. I guess. If we're looking more at this kind of triple digit price point though, you know, where we where, you know, history says the winner tends to come from. I know that there's a man that you're on, Paul, that I'm gonna be on as well. Because we had a we had a chat off mic and and we I said the name and you started laughing. So do you, do you, do you wanna take do you wanna take the listeners through that, that particular player? Yeah, is the only one that's um, only one that I've backed in that uh, event so far, and that's Ben Silverman. Um, Hundred to one, you're getting about him at the moment, with seven places with Coral. Um, Canadian lad. He's uh, if you ever look at his form, then he's tended to pop up uh, generally at these kind of smaller events. Um, so he's got the likes of uh, top twelve at the Barbasol, top eleven last year at the Barracuda. But some, you know, some better events as well. So 11th at Colonial, 8th at the RSM. Um, most recently, he was third in the Web.com Tour Championship a few weeks back. Yeah, finished um, like a train, didn't he? Yeah, finished he like is. a train. I'm oh, sorry, no, he started like a train, didn't he? 63 yeah, yeah, in the opening round. 63, right, yeah, yeah. Like, nine under par. Some, some decent, uh, decent form there. And then you look at last year, and I know that the course form for this event isn't the be-all and end-all, and a lot of players have done well on debut or with very little course experience but he did finish seventh here last year yeah um, and if you dig into his stats he wasn't striking the ball particularly well at, the, at that point in time yet he was third going to the final day and clearly had a decent chance to win um, but if you go back to that uh, third at the web.com tour championship I know it's a different course it was a wider course and the, the stats generally are quite high for that but he was uh, touching 85% greens in regulation and driving accuracy yeah. that week so and he's a he's a phenomenal putter. He's in the top ten of my role in putting average over eight yeah. weeks. 
So if you've got a player who's clearly taken a liking to the course, played some decent golf recently, hitting a lot of greens, hitting a lot of fairways and putts mm. well, um, it's a potent combination for a 100 to 1 shot, I thought. I know this is one of the reasons you like him, but it did stand out to me as well. Seventh here, um, eighth then at the RSM Classic, which they play on Bermuda Grass by the coast, don't they, on Sea Island. Mm. But you also look at this in terms of his performances at these um, at these alternate events. He was twelfth um, at the Barbasol and he was eleventh at the Barracuda. So he clearly takes these tournaments quite seriously. And why wouldn't you if you've you've still got a two year PGA Tour exemption available? Yeah. So yeah, Silverman definitely for me. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, I like that. And are you fancy Barry? I've got one of the longer price, so yeah. <laughs> um, Stick that in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So um, I'm using your own rolling rankings against you, Steve, to outthink you and pick an even better golfer. It'll make me more money. So here we go. We have Roberto Diaz. He's third in driving accuracy in your rolling rankings, and he's third in putting average. He's 125 to 1. He's he, he was flying on the web.com at the end of the year. He was, he and was flying. This is the exact kind of event that those guys who are flying at the end of the web.com can just come in and just grab. Mm. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I love it. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah, I'm not going to go into too much detail. It's just it's, I might I might just double them up with Scotty and just uh, you know order a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I might actually have to put that bet on now that I've said it. <laughs> well, he fits right into the uh, in, into the winners odds profile, doesn't he? So you got two consecutive hundred and twenty five to one winners here from the last two years. So uh, potentially three on the try. I'll tell you one one that jumps out to me, chaps, at triple digits as well. I know we're, we're very tight on time. I'll keep it very brief. This guy has finished second at the Barracuda Championship. He's finished tenth at the Wyndham Championship. That's champion Bermuda grass. Uh, and this season, he's finished fourth at St. Jude, champion Bermuda grass, and second at the Barbasol Championship, which was the last alter, or second last alternate event. He's a quality player, I think, this guy. He fires. Um, he, he's, he, he can be quite close to winning in those seconds. Richie Wawrinski? Okay. 100, 100 to 1. 100 to 1 on Wawrinski. Hmm. Seven places with Paddy Power. And he kind of fills the recent stats in this course. So I was having a little look. Three of the last four winners here, mm-hmm. one on debut, and the other one had a miscut the year before, which was uh, Ryan Armour. And Ryan Armour's form in this event, was in the last, in the, three, uh, the other two years he played previously, 2014 and 2016, were miscut, miscut. So... And Marensky has a 75th and a miscut. He opened okay. He played, finished 33rd at the Safeway. He opened up with a 67th, which was 12th best in the field. He finished 33rd. So he's playing okay. He's got the rust off his game. You know, second at the Barbasol, um, finished like a train, 66, to uh, jump from 8th to 2nd in terms of his position. That fourth place at St. Jude, champion Bermuda Grass. He uh, was fourth at 54 holes. He hung around. He can hang around when he's in contention. He just seems the sort that's very sparky um, and then just jumps out at low, you know, something like a Barracuda, which is a birdie fest. I just think there's something about him there, especially that link to champion Bermuda. 
He was also ninth at the Career Builder when he first uh, moved onto the PGA Tour. So, yeah, there's something in that, I think, Rurinsky. He might, he might end up in my tips. Yeah. Again, fits the uh, fits the price price. Well, it's the profile, price point, isn't it? Absolutely. Why why are we chasing these 14, 16 to one boys? Absolutely. Right. Anything else to add? We're all, we're all, we're done, are we? Oh. Uh, I added one loose bet um, purely because uh, his name finished in Z and I backed Roberto Diaz. So got Carlos ah, Ortiz. Yeah, Carlos, yeah. yeah. He's a good player. He's, um, he's, he's, and he was right. It was only because he was right beside Diaz in the, the betting at 150. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've no other logic behind it other than uh, a gut feeling. Um, added in you know when you get those weird vibes to just add it in and more often than not they fail but when they work you're kicking yourself so yeah that's um it's, it's when it's when you yeah, look at it and don't do it barry and then it comes in that's when oh yeah, that's when and they haunt you they haunt you so yeah exactly um which is why i can't spend too much time looking at uh books for golf because <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't have an unending supply of money so anyway I think that's us. I think that's, week, it, that's it? us, chaps. We've got places to go, people to see. Um, thank you to the listeners um, again. If you can, if you've got time to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be most appreciated. Um, on top of that, we've got an, another show next week. I think we've got Turkey next week, haven't we? Yep. And we've also got the Shriners event in Las Vegas, where Jordan Spieth's going to play this year. Get that, eh? Jordan Spieth in an autumn event. I think that's part of. Well, his, he got um, caught. Penance, he he got caught it? with his pants down, didn't he? He was he was one tournament too short on the on, on the appearances last year. Finished thirty first in the FedEx Cup and couldn't play that last event of the Tour Championship. Mm. So yeah, penance a trip to Las Vegas, Barry. You could have bumped into him. Uh, well, if I'd stayed there for a lot <laughs> yeah. longer, yeah, um, yeah. Vegas, I don't know. Vegas is a tough place to be for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, yeah. Yeah, especially when you've got a Hoover sucking on both of your pockets just in case you switch yeah. which one your wallet is in. Uh, it's, it's that kind of place. Well, we'll be back again next week. Uh, thank you to listeners, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Thanks, chaps. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.